I'm Jenny Thomas. And I'm her friend, Ellie David. We decided to create a podcast that embodies what you would talk about with your closest friends. So sit back and relax and put your headphones in. Because you're listening to the Honestly Unfiltered podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Honestly Unfiltered podcast. Today, Ellie and I have with us Dr. Louis Kathy Zhang. I followed her on Instagram for quite some time. Her podcast, The Purpose Filter, is one that I try to listen to when life doesn't get in the way. Her podcast covers health, relationships, mindset, and the meaning of happiness. As a life coach, she teaches her clients how to apply the lessons of dying before it's too late so that they can create a life that they genuinely love. Dr. Zhang is a hospice and palliative care physician, so she has a front row seat to the end of life and all the regrets that come with it. Earlier this month, a specific post on her Instagram feed caught my attention. She was recently diagnosed with ADHD as a woman in her 30s. She made it through med school and residency without knowing this about herself, something I can relate to as well. Well, not the med school part. But as a result, I reached out to her. She mentions in her Instagram post that she must schedule work, study blocks, and put her car keys in a specific spot or they'll end up in the fridge. I can't tell you how often my son, who also has ADHD, and I have had to turn our house upside down searching for his wallet. Or how often my husband goes to my son's high school to put his work bag in his car because he forgot to grab it on his way out the door. Little things like this and more have made me, my son... And even Dr. Zhang feel like something is wrong with us when there is nothing wrong with us. Our brains are just wired differently. And it's not all bad. With these little idiosyncrasies comes greatness, empathy, creativity, and the ability to think outside the box, just to name a few. We hope that you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed creating it for you. How was your day? I bet the weather's beautiful up there right now. Um, yeah, it's really nice. I love fall in New York. Um, or at least I just, I love fall. I do too. That's where I'm from originally. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Where are you from? Actually right outside of New York city, uh, Hackensack, New Jersey. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Love it. I'm from Virginia. So we also have Epic Falls and I miss it. Yeah. I miss it. That's, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Florida in general, even though I've been here for a very long time. But that's when I get really homesick is the fall. Yeah, I know. And you guys just had Hurricane Ian, right? I was um, your your episode and how are you guys doing afterwards? Um, You know, I got hit harder in Northport than Jenny did up here. But they, you know, they still had to ride it out. It was we my husband grew up in Florida um, for his entire life. And of course he, you know, didn't take it as seriously because they just don't, but (laughs) he was petrified. (laughs) So that was, it it was the worst this part of Florida has ever seen. Yeah. uh, That's what I heard. But we're all, listen, we're all okay. You know, that's all that matters. We, we got through it. Good. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Why don't you give us a, like a brief background about what you do on, mm-hmm. I, I know that you're a palliative care doctor and I know that you are also a life coach mm-hmm. and that you teach people how to live their lives before they, before the end of it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I do all of those things. And basically it came from all of my experiences caring for patients. And I realized that, you know, they've taught me so much and I just wanted to be able to share that with people to kind of filter out the noise Mm -hmm. of the everyday and to be able to focus on what's important. And so that's what I help people do in my coaching practice, specifically females, um, children of immigrants, you know, professionals to really kind of break old patterns of self-sacrifice and, you know, not having healthy boundaries and to really kind of step into their most confident, empowered self. I think that's so great. I am a CNA. I was a CNA for a few years and then stayed home for many years raising my family. And then I've been back at it for close to five years now. And I love the work, but part of the most gratifying aspect of it is end of life care for me and for the patient and for the families. It's just a really beautiful thing to be a part of. And when I say that to people, they're a little confused. You know, you hear that about birth a lot, but not about death. Mm -hmm. So I was super intrigued by what you do, but also how you have taken it to this level with trying to help people that are alive live their best life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're totally right. People are like, what do you mean you love this work? Isn't it so depressing? And I was like, I mean, it, it can be. Uh, And at the same time, you it's it's how you think about it that's how you you know phrase it in your mind and so being able to bring that to people upstream 20 30 40 years mm-hmm. so that they don't have to wait until they're sick or dying or someone that they love is sick or dying or has passed to be able to be like oh like this is what's important this is what i want to do and Absolutely. being able to live their lives in accordance i know you see it a lot with people where I have with that are diagnosed with cancer and they say well if I get better I'm going to do this this and this and I would do this differently and luckily many times they do but then sadly a lot of times they don't get the second chance to live life to the fullest oh yeah Mm -hmm. yeah precisely what brought us here in our conversation you were recently diagnosed with ADHD correct Correct. Just about three weeks ago. Wow. How did that come about? It was so funny. Um, I had a um, someone I was working with, she had helped me kind of with website design and kind of building out my brand. And so we started following each other on social media. And she shared a post, uh, I think it was something about either having a lot of tabs open on our Mm. website browser or something like that. Yeah. And Uh, And I replied, I was like, oh my God, this is so me. And then she went, do you have ADHD? And I was like, huh? What? (laughs) No, of course not. I would have known, right? Uh, And then so she sent me a, just a post. Uh, I forget which account it was, but it was like, you know, um, rarely known signs of ADHD or something like that. And then I I swiped through. I was like, oh my God, holy crap. Like I have all of these. (laughs) And so I started... That was like, I would say maybe about uh, maybe six, eight months ago, maybe even close to a year, actually. And so I was like, oh, and so I let it kind of marinate and marinate. And then I finally decided, I was like, you know, what? maybe I should actually get diagnosed. I um, I looked at the 
diagnostic criteria because, you know, they teach us that in school. Um, and I was like, I fit all of these. So I'm 99% sure that I have it. And I've always had it because um, I think that for the diagnosis to, you have to like have these symptoms in childhood earlier than age 12 or something like that. And uh, so I was like, but I probably shouldn't diagnose myself with it. I should probably ask someone. So they diagnosed me and it just it made like so much sense. Um, and I know, is it Jenny that mm -hmm. also got diagnosed? Yeah, Jenny. Yeah. I, um, it, mine came in a roundabout way. My son has ADHD. He's, as I said, he's 18 now, but he was diagnosed in second grade and it was a very severe, very typical, very, he couldn't sit still. And we went through many years of therapy and medications on and off and finally in the last couple of years he decided he didn't want to take medicine so i never i never forced it on him but actually in, in uh, this past week he asked me can you take me back to the doctor i think i want to try it again so we i did take him back and he started taking vivance again because he didn't really give the vivance a, a shot adderall made him very angry and not happy. Concerta made him a zombie. Vivian's, he, when he was on it, he said he didn't notice a difference, but they also, he was also always on the minimum dose. And I said, you have to give it a chance, but I'm not going to force it on you. I, I, I want you to do what makes you comfortable. So he said he wanted to try it. And he told me he's been on it about five days now that he feels calmer inside. So, and he feels a little bit more focused. Hmm. So that made me happy. And, but I always wondered, well, where did he get this ADHD from? It's not <laughs> from me, not from my side of the family, not from my husband. And as you know, I've always known that I'm distracted. I am, I, I've, I've seen the quote about the computer browsers having a million open. That is me. I can start doing one project I can start editing a podcast at noon, but realistically, I'm going to get sidetracked a million times a day and it will be nine o'clock at night before I actually edit that podcast. Mm -hmm. And I have been seeing a weight loss specialist doctor for a little over a year and a half. And we had, um, I was taking a weight loss medicine and we had a conversation one day and, and the practitioner I see is excellent. She has diagnosed so many little things and with me and pays attention. She's like the one practitioner that listens to everything because I have an autoimmune disease disorder also. I have lupus. And we had a, I said to her, well, you know, I can almost relate to someone, an alcoholic with food because I'm the type of person that if someone came in with a pizza or a bag of McDonald's, I wouldn't eat it, but it would sit there and sit there and sit there. And, but when they left, if they left it behind, then I would eat it. And she said, do you eat in secret all the time? And I said, well, not all the time, but then it did hit me that many friends have said, well, I never see you eat. So why, why do you, why don't you lose weight? Well, I don't eat enough because there's this guilt around eating because I've always been on a diet. So she, she said, I'm going to send you something. And she had me send, she had me take a quiz and she said, 
you have a borderline binge eating disorder, which obviously I, I hesitate to say that. And I've talked about it on the podcast because people, when they say binge eating disorders, they think of gorging and purging and stuffing themselves. And I don't do that. But I don't mm-hmm. eat around people because there was the shame of, you know, eating when I was a kid because I was overweight. And on top of that, I have ADHD because that all tied it, it all ties in. So she prescribed Vyvanse for me and I was shocked at how focused I could be. Every, and, and people in my life notice it because about two hours after I take it, the emails start going out about the podcast and the ideas and these and that and work and everything else. Oh, yeah. So yeah. My phone starts blowing up. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa now. <laughs> I can't keep <laughs> But it's been life changing for me because when I was like, for instance, I, I just started a new corporate job and in the past and basically it's a company that's rebuilding after COVID and that and it's since it's in the entertainment business they all of their staff was pretty much laid off during COVID because there wasn't any business and it was basically they handed me a laptop and said here figure it out and prior to this being on medication I remember if I had to start something like that I would be so overwhelmed with where to start because of the ADHD. I would put it off and put it off and put it off and then be frazzled. But I noticed now being on Vyvanse, I can completely focus on the task and put things in order and I'm not jumping around. Yeah. I, that's so funny how you say that. It's just like recognizing that we have the diagnosis is just like, it kind of opens everything up in mm-hmm. a sense. It, you kind of just realize like, oh, this is just how my brain works. Um, and, uh, you know, I had posted a video like what, right after I got the diagnosis, I just started thinking about it. And, and I've been trying to kind of record more moments um, in the present, in time, when it's actually happening to me. I started doing that during COVID and my therapist was like, you know, feel your emotions and that sort of thing. Um, and so I started thinking, I was like, oh my God, I made it through med school. Like residency, I made, <laughs> yeah. you know, like Impressive. I made it through all of this, not knowing and just thinking that something was wrong with me. And now it's like, oh, okay, well, this is how my brain works. I have time blindness. So I need to find systems and ways to cope that maybe people who are more neurotypical and that sort of thing don't have to rely upon as much. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it was just, my psychiatrist was like, well, you could take medication. Um, you probably have a mild case. I was like, yeah, it's mild now because I'm, I've done all these things to try and mitigate it. And I was mm-hmm. like, as a, as a kid, I lost everything all the time, you know, mm. super distracted. Um, my son's that way. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, you bring up, you both really, so for myself, I joke and say I have ADD at work because at home, being home for so many years as a stay-at-home mom, um, I didn't notice it until I went back to work. And then I realized the kind of jobs that I've kind of always had had to be really fast paced. Like I can't sit at a desk. I can't, you know, I can't, it's, it, it just doesn't work for me. So, I mean, I, I guess, and I always say that people, I feel like we're all on the, the spectrum. It's just, where do you land on the spectrum is kind of my feeling about it. But my husband, my God, 
and and as he gets older, we're really having real conversations about, okay, it's time. Like we really need to figure out, you know, what is going on here? I had him take a quiz one day for autism. Like I, you know, because of just the social aspects of some of his behavior, he's the most wonderful, kind, funny man, but he will say things that I'm like, uh, read the room, sir. Like, (laughs) and he just, you know, but there's lots of it and I see it affect him. I see the stress, you know, you say the open tabs. I had never heard that. Every time I grab his cell phone, I am blown away by all the open tabs and the text messages that he doesn't clear out. And I'm like, what are you doing? This is hundreds of things. And he's like, leave me alone. That's how I like it. I'm like, this is psychotic. So, (laughs) but I, I immediately, when I heard that, I'm like, poor guy. Like, but you know, he talks about his struggle in school as a child and he's a very, very intelligent man. He, he doesn't feel that way, but he builds computers for a hobby. I mean, this is a smart man. And I keep telling him, I've told him for years, I'm like, hun, if you, you know, and back then it was not as, you know, talked about or, you know, diagnosed, but I know for a fact, had he been diagnosed at a young age, it would have changed his life tremendously but it definitely is something that as he gets older i think it's actually getting a little worse you know maybe if we were able to get the diagnosis like you were saying i think it would open him up to knowing okay it's actually something that i can't i had no control over but now i can start to understand how my mind works yeah a hundred percent and i think one of the reasons why i wanted it to wanted to know um and again, my psychiatrist was like, you could take meds. I was like, eh, you know, I'll think about it. Uh, I'm still only three weeks into my diagnosis. And, um, but I, it's like, I always thought as a kid or as a younger person that it was just um, a deficiency. Like there was something wrong with you if you had ADD or ADHD. Mm-hmm. And now realizing that, okay, it, no, there's actually like neurochemical foundations to this, right? Like you're low in dopamine and all this stuff. And then realizing like, okay, that's just how it works. And that it also provides like a lot of great superpowers for us. Like I've always been a very outside the box thinker. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always very easy for me to come up with ideas. And people would be like, how'd you come up with that? I was like, what do you mean? You don't see it? Like, no, <laughs> I've been doing this for, you know, a decade. I've never, I was like, okay, well, you know, um, happy to help. And so realizing that there are, superpowers to that's it. you just, jenny right jenny is the same way we go to jenny for everything and she <laughs> always comes up with the i mean and every time she'll say so, like an aha thing and i'm like how did god how did you think of that it's so perfect but i would have never thought of it that is you and my husband also <laughs> thank you that yeah, is a superpower exactly. it is a superpower and i think the more that it gets talked about like here and you know um in in social media and blogs etc i've been reading reading a lot of um attitude add attitude you know it's kind of um a blog for adhd and that sort of thing but the more that we talk about it the less it becomes a stigma and i think for some people they think like oh if you say that you have it um it's kind of like a crutch right like oh you know i i have add so it's an excuse for me to not whatever be productive or Mm -hmm. to procrastinate or whatever 
And the way that I see it, it's like, no, it's not a crutch. It's just that being aware of how this affects me and being able to be like, okay, I can do things to Mm -hmm. mitigate that, whether it's medication, whether it's setting up systems and that sort of thing. So the more that we talk about it, I think the better for everyone involved. A hundred percent. Oh yeah. I mean the stigma Mm -hmm. from when we were children, um, I don't know how old you are, but Jenny and I at least, but, um, you know, I remember that greatly. My young sister, so I'm the oldest of three girls. My youngest sister, who is now, let me think, I'm, okay, so she's 36, I believe. She was diagnosed at a very young age. And that we tried, med- my, my mom did have her on medication for just a minute, but not long. Um, and what they did back then in school, and she was in elementary school, so I want to say she was like fourth or fifth grade when the, the diagnosis was made. And she was put into a special class. And the classroom that she was in were with, um, you know, kids that had severe um, mental, um, you know, issues of, of every kind. I mean, that you could imagine from severe autism. Um, I'm like having a brain fart right now, but you know what I mean? Learning disabilities, severe, but they were beyond even learning disabilities. These were kids that were severely handicapped and, you know, they were all just lumped together, you know, and she was not severely handicapped and unfortunately a lot of the teachers that were teaching these classes were very unequipped very uneducated they were a teacher that maybe went to school to teach you know elementary school children but did not specialize in disabilities and were thrown into these classrooms and unfortunately for her the teacher that she encountered at at that time was abusive as well I mean it changed the trajectory of her life with education for for the rest of her life and it really I think it really you know she's someone that suffers with um you know addiction issues and other mental health issues and I really believe that it it kind of started there um you know so yeah I just think that it's so important that the stigma is being lifted so that we can just continue it and it's of course it's greatly improved now but there's still room for improvement Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you were saying, Ellie, about your husband, how he's so intelligent. And the more that I read about it, it's like people who are very, very intelligent, who have ADHD, they kind of get by because um, people don't recognize that that's what they have. They are able to kind of compensate in ways or they learn very quickly that like this works and that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Uh, And especially in women, like I, I know so many women who are now in their 30s, 40s, 50s, who are like, oh, I just got diagnosed. And it just totally blew open their mind where they're like, oh, my God, this is how I've been my entire life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, with um, like uh, with your niece, right? My um, sister. My sis- your sister, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's okay. She, you know, ADHD is definitely related to having higher um, incidences of addiction too, just because of, again, how our brain works. And, you know, I I wish that she hadn't had that experience, but you're totally right. It's just, you know, the more that we talk about it, the more that we know about it, the more that research is being done about it. Absolutely. With my son, I wanted to, we, we always did therapy 
along with his medication when he was young because my my whole worry was okay they're going to stick you on medication because it was so severe that he was a distraction in class and not in a rambunctious way just he would not focus he didn't his mind was always going i but you have to have the tools to be able to live your life go to school go to college and be a success and not have the crutch of medication because at some point I feel like medication stops working when your body gets used to a certain dosage. They can only go so high. They can only switch you so many times. You have to have those, those foundations to get you through life. And he even, I want to say it's probably been two, three years since he's been on any kind of medication. And he's, his, he told me, well, my fear is that, because he sees so many kids his age abuse Adderall and ADHD meds. He's like, I don't want to be on medic. I don't want to be on drugs. I don't want to be on addicted to something. And I said, well, I explained the differences and what he, he would take and how I said, those people are taking that medication to speed up, to, to go fast, to stay awake for days. Your body, it's different for you. It's it, like for him, he can drink a monster energy and it calms him down because his brain is wired differently. And I don't know if you're the same way, but it, he is the classic absent-minded pr professor. I can send him to the, in the next room for a hanger. He comes back with a pen. He's completely disorganized. He his, he's at parent teacher conferences since middle school. And I just had one. The teacher said, he's a great kid. I love him. He's so funny. He's the best. But if I could just get him to hand in an assignment. And I said, yeah, they're in his bag. We've been dealing with this since sixth grade. He does all of the work. And then he forgets to hand it in and forgets where he puts it. And at the end of the quarter, he's handing in all these assignments. But he's, you know, he's also extremely intelligent with the things he's interested in. He's like a walking movie encyclopedia and music encyclopedia, and he's a talented musician. Yeah. It's just, you know, I think it, he has his focus. And, and I explained to him, I said, look, this is not, this medicine that you're taking, it's not going to help you. It's not going to help you enjoy science or enjoy math or enjoy something, make you want to read. It's, it's going to help you focus on it, but you're still going to like the things, love the things you want to love. And you're still going to be bored with the things you're bored with. Well, and it's important too, I think that you can point out to him that what leads to a lot of addiction with people is these diagnoses, these, you know, especially mental illness going undiagnosed, um, or a disability going undiagnosed and because of the symptoms of that and people start to medicate, yeah. they start to use drugs and alcohol because they feel so out of control that that's because that's I believe what happened with my sister um, to a, a big degree. Is there other factors, of course, but because you don't have the coping skills whatsoever than everything everything that norm you know we all go through things in life that are traumatic that are you know stressful but certain people depending on what the diagnosis is are even more traumatized even more you know it's even more stressful you know so yeah it definitely leads to that I think yeah yeah and it's 
you know, you're talking about your son, Jenny, and it's just, I think a lot of people think that if I just have this, then my life will be better. You know, if, if I just have the medication or if I just, you know, get that thing, whether it's, you know, material possessions or any of that stuff, it's just, we think that there's a cure-all for some things. And uh, again, it's really about our perception of what's happening, like the stories that we tell ourselves about our current situations, the challenges that we go through. And I see this a lot with my patients and, you know, my clients too. It's really about the emotional awareness, the kind of mental health that we really focus on to be like, okay, what's the story that I'm telling myself about this, even though it could be one thing or another. And that's how, you know, we relate and perceive the world as a result of that. Yeah, I agree Absolutely. with you completely. It's the always, um, I feel like we're working towards the next goal, the next car, the next house, the next vacation, the next big ticket item. Yeah, definitely not putting enough stock in it's, it's quantity over quality most of the time. And we're all guilty of it. I mean, it's not like, you know, I'm saying I'm not. Um, but I will say that I have, you know, I have to remind my husband who is not so good at that, you know, all the time. And I think that's part of it, too. It's like he, you know, can lose sight of what's important very easily and get overwhelmed with, you know, <laughs> all the stuff that he's interested in. And that is important to him, you know, and lose sight of the blessings and the, you know, to have gratitude and be be in the moment. That is a big one. Mm -hmm. We anyone can struggle with that. Absolutely. But I think if you have this diagnosis, this disability, it is a million times harder, I think, for for I know for him, at least to be in the moment. Well, you have the why if you have the diagnosis, you have. The, like you said, there's nothing wrong with me. It's I'm wired differently. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that was the biggest thing to, and that's why I started just getting very emotional because my entire life, I thought that there was something wrong with me. And then I found out again, very recently that I'm also a highly sensitive person. Like as a kid, I cried all the time all the time mm, you know and i grew up in a <laughs> yeah right and i grew up um my parents were chinese immigrants and they like what did they know about adhd or highly sensitive yeah. personality traits my dad was always just like why are you such a wuss <laughs> you Aww. know they, um and my dad's a wonderful wonderful person don't get me wrong it's a generational but, uh, yeah absolutely and right yeah i can hear that yeah totally yeah and so it was just like, why do you cry at everything? And I was just like, this is just, you know, anger, sadness, happiness. Like I would cry and then I, I still do that, but not to the same extent. Um, but it was very much like, oh my God, here, you, here we go again. And so I grew up for 30 some odd years being like, oh, okay, well, I'm just like a sensitive wuss, I guess, not realizing that you know, being highly sensitive and attuned to other people's emotions is precisely what helps me be a hospice and palliative care physician, right? Like I can pick up things that patients or families are saying and not saying verbal, nonverbal communication and be like, let's, let's dig in and explore that a little bit. And they're like, how did you know? And I was like, mm, it's just how I am, I guess. 
I love that you just made that connection. Me too. Totally. We're very empathic people. And that's what I hear when I hear high, highly sensitive. I was always the same way. Um, and I do believe that empaths choose lines of work, career paths like those, like being a CNA. I mean, I, you know, you, yes, I totally get that. I mean, I just can feel things and, and I'm in tune with things. And, you know, it was always weaponized against me when I was younger. That was used as an insult. Oh, you're being sensitive. When in actuality, nine times out of 10, no, you're being a jerk. And I have every right to feel the way that I'm feeling, <laughs> you know, but exactly. it was definitely a negative. And I have you beat. I was raised by a Navy SEAL. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Try yeah. crying in front of him. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, but I can only imagine. <laughs> you know, bless his heart at, at an older age now. And he's been retired for a long time. He retired as a senior chief, but he has a lot of anxiety issues. We were just talking about mm -hmm. this and how uh, there's a lot of people that are the opposite of empathic and highly sensitive that unless it's happened to them, it doesn't exist. And my poor father now is having issues. I think I think he has undiagnosed PTSD as well. But, um, you know, he gets it now, you know, and it's it's like, well, dad, I'm, you know, I'm 42 years old. I'm glad you <laughs> you can finally have a little compassion for me. But I'm yeah, sorry. Like, thanks for figuring that. this out now. <laughs> you know, sorry. Sorry. You have to deal with it now. But it's kind of kind of nice. <laughs> I, I, you know, also, I th go ahead. I was going to say, I, I think this, the, you know, I, I, my grandparents who pretty much raised me were Italian and they were second generation and, you know, their parents were immigrants and it was the same way. It was buck up, stop being sensitive and you don't talk about it. You don't talk about your feelings. You don't talk about, I remember when my son was diagnosed and he also had sensory processing when he was young. And my mom said to me, because it was, you know, inherited, well, you're not going to tell anybody, right? You're not going to tell anybody. What do you mean? He's, yeah, it's, well, you, you don't want to tell anybody about that. And I said, why? I, if it can help people and I can learn things, why wouldn't I tell anybody it's not anything bad? He's, he's getting therapy and he's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you're saying about your dad, um, Ellie, like, just literally two days ago, um, I, I, I saw my dad and he was just kind of like propped up on the side of the couch and he's like, I don't have an appetite. I was like, what happened? And he was kind of feeling some, um, you know, depressive symptoms, even though it had only been a couple of days, it, you know, I couldn't really call it that, but he had just been consuming so much negativity in terms of like, the war in Ukraine and, you know, mm -hmm. like the threat of nuclear bombings and what's going on with COVID and, you know, all this stuff. And he just didn't recognize that that's what was happening because, and that was what was causing him to have these psychosomatic symptoms. He's like, I, had, I, I don't have an appetite. I'm forcing myself to eat and all of this stuff. And he's like, I, I, th this is not me. I, you know, he's like, I'm 70. And this is the first time in my entire life that I've had to deal with this. And I was like, yeah, dad, the, these emotions, these things are real. And again, in <laughs> their older feelings. age. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and now in his older age, he's like, oh, okay, I get it. I get 
get it. You know, so I was like, dad, you gotta, you know, even though it hurts and you don't want to like walk, exercise, just get up and move. And that for me, even with um, the ADHD, I've noticed that like the more, more that I exercise, especially in the morning, and I'm not a morning person at all. I'm a total night owl, but I'm learning and using science tricks to be like, oh, this actually helps me focus. This actually helps me calm down. And so even though I hate waking up in the morning and go for a run, I'm not a runner. I'm always like, if if I'm running, it's because someone's chasing me. Um, <laughs> that is my favorite. I have, right? I have a sticker that our other best friend that we talk about a lot, Maria, bought for my car that said 0, 0.0, I don't run. Because <laughs> of all the marathon stickers, I'm like, yep, that's me. Yeah, 26 point, you know, 26.2, yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah, exactly. But I realized that the pain of not doing it is worse than the pain of getting up and doing it. And so it kind of just all comes full circle. So as a doctor, I would love to pick your brain for a second about your thoughts on food. Now, our very good friend, Maria, um, who also, well, she wouldn't claim that she's suffering from lupus, but let's just say autoimmune illness. And she, she's had some severe symptoms over the years. One of the worst was um, her hives. She would get horrible hives. And I, I mean, like, you know, looking like Quasimodo, like someone just beat her up. I mean, it was, it's horrific. Anyway, that's just one of them. But she's really gone down this really awesome path with food and trying to heal her body with what she's consuming, you know, and of and supplements and things as well. She she's read a lot um, of things and follows some of the practices of the medical medium. I don't know if you're familiar, but I would love to know what your thoughts are as far as, you know, we're learning more and more all the time what food does, like, let's say for inflammation, you know, these certain foods that you consume that can just amplify. That's something I always am thinking about because of I also have. Well, I have fibromyalgia. I'm convinced I do have some kind of autoimmune happening, um, but, you know, it's been hard to get diagnosed. Um, so what are your thoughts as far as something like ADHD with food and related to food? Yeah, I mean, so I will put a caveat that, you know, like this, I'm not a, um, I'm just speaking from anecdotal experience uh, and like, you know, my research and that sort of thing isn't in food or inflammation, but I do have kind of an immune mediated condition um, in addition to ADHD. And I've noticed that for myself and what you said about your friend, so true. Like I always thought I could eat dairy. I thought, you know, that's not an issue. And I remember I just feel so down um, just mood wise. Mm -hmm. And I always had a lot of acne when I would um, be on it. And then I've developed a soy intolerance, which as an Asian is really upsetting. Oh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I love tofu and I love soy milk. Um, but you know, it just doesn't do my body any good. And I've also realized that like, there are so there's so much research into like pro inflammatory foods with relate related to certain immune conditions. Like there are people who've done elimination diets with immune conditions and their symptoms drastically improve. Um, and everyone is different, right? Some people have major allergies to foods or different compounds, and then some have minor ones. And we don't even realize that 
it's affecting us because we're just like, oh, I, I should eat, you know, I should have dairy or I should have gluten or I should have all of these things. And so I'm learning more and more about that too with respect to ADHD. Like I started taking a magnesium supplement, not for ADHD, but because um, I was having a lot of migraines probably okay. earlier this year. I was having a lot of vestibular migraines and I went to see a neurologist because I would just stand there and I would just feel like really lightheaded and go on for like two weeks at a time. I mm. just like would just stand and I'd just be like, what is going on? Like it wasn't vertigo. It wasn't like the room was spinning. I just felt so tired. Um, and he even did an MRI. He's like, just to make sure that there's nothing else. And uh, he prescribed me magnesium supplements and it went away. And so even for me, I was like, wow, this is evidence-based. You know, he was like, these are, he's, he sent me all the research papers because he's like, I know you're a physician. I know you want to see the data and all that stuff. So he sent me all of that. And my, I haven't had migraines since then, vestibular migraines. Yeah. And so there's a lot of research that is going into like omega-3 fatty acids for ADHD. Um, I was just listening to the Huberman Lab podcast. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a, his name is Andrew Huberman. He's a professor of neurobiology and ophthalmology at Stanford. And he talks a lot about the brain, neuroplasticity, all this stuff. And he has, um, he published an episode about ADHD. And he's like, I realize the irony of this because I published a two hour and 15 minute episode on ADHD. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I get it. It's not a, I had to consume it in like chunks over four days, but he really goes into like the neurobiology of what is actually happening in the brain of people with ADHD. He talks about the medications. He talks about the supplements that are science-based and research-driven. And so that's been even a huge help for me, myself. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can find ways to incorporate more omega-3s in my diet and or find supplements. Um, so yeah, there's a ton out there for people, especially related to food and supplements and disease. I have to check that out. It sounds really intriguing. Yeah, and there are, Maria has given me a list of, my son's always been a very picky eater because of texture and things like that and and now that he's getting older it, he's overcoming a lot of it but she had given me a list of fruits and vegetables and things that he should be eating to help his brain think and process and work the way it's supposed to also yeah I just thought she might get a kick out of a doctor actually backing up some of her her little <laughs> witchy ways. No, no, seriously, though, she I'm so proud of her. I mean, yeah. I she's doing what I'm not brave enough to do. She was very sick at one point. Yeah. Yes. And she keeps telling me that she's like, when you get sick enough, you will get sick of it and you'll you'll come. But. You know, and and she's right. You know, it's like obviously I haven't hit my bottom yet, but um, so, but um, she's done incredible work to really. She has reversed things that were just it's un it's unbelievable. So, you know, and I do try to practice some of it. I'm just not going full force, you know, yet. But um, I, it's interesting just to get you know your perspective. Yeah. It's a process. Um. You know, my, my husband just read this book called The Mind-Gut Connection, and it's on my shelf. I'm, I'm going to read it soon. Um, but there's so much 
uh, out there about like the gut microbiome and just absolutely you know the the connection there um he was even telling me how there was one thing where um depending on whether a birth was vaginal versus cesarean there's a difference in i, I think that. he said the incidence of autism because as you go through the birth canal, you, um, you know, get exposed to the mother's own microbiome in the vaginal canal. Uh, and so I was like, okay, so it sounds like if we were to ever have a kid and I have a cesarean, I just need to like, you know, find a way to make that happen like afterwards or something. <laughs> let's, let's extract right. and just, like smother your face in there's it. There's going to be something. Is that, is that the, <laughs> no, that, that's not recommended. I'm just, I'm purely making a joke. <laughs> Well, you know, and it, I'm glad you mentioned that. And I think that's one Maria's read too, and I haven't read yet, but I want to. But, you know, my oldest daughter, who just recently had a baby six months ago, so I'm a grandma and I'm Yay. so happy. Um, she has suffered with depression and anxiety off and on her entire life. And of course, you know, having a baby and stuff, you know, whatever. But she eats like a dumpster fire because she, unlike me, has always been tall, thin, blonde, gorgeous, never really thought much about it. And, you know, I keep pushing that with her. I'm like, listen, you are feeding this thing that's happening to you. You know, it's it's affecting your gut health is poor. So, and not that I'm like, you know, fantastic, but I do notice it and I keep telling her and the days that she'll actually eat decent, she feels better, you know, and it's, it's just, it's incredible what the connections are that they're, they're making with that. Yeah. And I think a lot of us don't even realize how poorly we feel until we feel good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thousand percent. Oh my gosh. When I have a good day and I've I've gotten some exercise in and you know, I've eaten, I've made good choices and I'm feeling pretty good. And I'm like, dang, <laughs> those bad days are really bad. Yeah. I notice that if I'm eating very healthy for a long stretch and then I have something bad, it's and twenty minutes later your body feels a certain way, it's like, Oh yeah, that's why I don't eat that anymore. It's really you know, all those LMSG and all, all, all sorts of chemicals that are in processed foods now. Yeah. And it's all these fundamental things where it's like, we've been talking about this for years, like get, drink enough water and get enough sleep. I, I just came across a statistic where it was like, um, you know how in daylight savings in the spring where you spring forward and you lose an hour, apparently there's like a 24% higher rate of heart attacks and traffic incidents the next day when we lose an hour of sleep and versus the same reduction in heart attacks and cardiovascular events in the fall when we gain an hour of sleep right and that's just an hour and so now i'm like okay well i'm really going to focus on my sleep and i've noticed that again with my focus with adhd if i get enough sleep i am just i can focus i can do things Whereas if I don't, even if it's an hour, which doesn't seem like a lot, I always thought I'm like, oh, I can live on six hours. It's not a big deal. I like I can definitely tell that I'm I'm different. I'm not as sharp. I'm not as focused. And my brain just goes haywire. I'll be working on something. I'm like, oh, you know what? I should take ballroom dancing lessons. And I'm like, this is 
it's nothing to do with my podcast right now. Like it's literally happening. To me. Squirrel, squirrel. Exactly. It's literally happening. To me. That's our favorite thing. We'll go down the rabbit hole. And it's like yeah. squirrel. Wait, let's get back. It literally happened to me this morning, and you know, I was te- uh, texting you guys yesterday, and I was like, if I don't send this message, I'm gonna forget, and I'm gonna panic tomorrow. So it's no pressure. I just, you know, this is how my brain works now. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. It's um, if I'm not in bed by ten, eleven o'clock, forget it. I I catch a second wind. I could be up till two a.m. and then the next day I'm a zombie. I notice if I am rigid about my sleep hygiene and I go to bed, make myself go to bed and not pick up my phone once I get there, because if I pick up my phone once I get there, it's another two hours down a rabbit hole, a million browsers open that are saved three tomorrow. <laughs> And it's just, it's exactly the same. It's amazing the patterns that we have that are so similar. Yeah, totally. And there's so many of us out there. We just don't even realize it. Honestly, after listening to everything, I think I need to take the quiz, wherever the quiz is, okay. just in case. I'll find it for you. <laughs> I am relating to a little more of this. <laughs> Not from my childhood, though. Like, you know, I can't, I don't, I'm thinking back, you know, I'm not. I did have OCD and I was diagnosed with OCD and they were classic OCD behaviors and I still have them. Um, but yeah, I don't really relate as a, ch- but as an adult, there's things that I'm like, Hmm, I know we only have a few minutes and you have to go Kathy, but real quick, I want to ask you, do you, my son, I notice with him a very strong OCD things that he has to, he works on breaking. Do you know, have that as well? Um, I, you know, I have like little tendencies here and there, but I wouldn't classify myself as having those um, overarching, yeah. like it, it's a compulsion, right? When you look at the actual criteria for OCD, it's not just like, I like having things a certain way. It's like, it has to be otherwise, you know, um, there's consequences and you, you just feel something. And so I personally mm-hmm. don't have that. I, I have little things that I like here and there. Um, and then Ellie, I wanted to say that in the Huberman Lab podcast, he was also talking about this really interesting thing where now um, there's a lot, there's probably some talk too, where the increase in um, smartphone usage, distractions and all of this stuff over the last, you know, 10, 12 years when smartphones first came about may or may not be um, leading to things like adult onset ADHD. And so that's something I'm like, Oh, okay. Makes sense. Crap. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't know a ton about it, but he mentioned that I was like, Oh, wow. That is, that does make a lot of sense why people feel more and more that like, Oh, this is me. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. I'm taking the quiz. (laughs) Do it. Do it. (laughs) You've convinced me. Well, I know you have to go. It's twelve twenty-eight, and but I'm going to add an intro and exit and all that later on. But thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. Come back anytime. We are going to put all of your information in the show notes. Her podcast is the Purpose Filter, and you can find her on Instagram at Purpose Filter. Yeah. And just again, thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you it's on. Absolutely. So great speaking with you both. And yeah, let's do this again and let's keep talking. Like, yeah, just, for sure. Definitely. We just need to talk more about mental health. I think um, Monday was World Mental Health Day and stuff yes. like that. And yes. I know that's super important to both of you mm-hmm. and your podcast. So thank you so yes. much for having me. Such a blast. Thank you again for being here. Bye.